Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news, trends, and hottest topics that focus on advances in cybersecurity and cyber industry economics. Our expert yet down-to-earth hosts make cybersecurity straightforward. They ask the tough questions and make this challenging topic something that everyone can understand. Our candid approach lets guests open up on topics we would all like to see addressed. You can find us on the web at newcyberfrontier.com. That's www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join today's host as he introduces the topic for today's new cyber frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, Kathy Miley, who is the Chief Experience or Member Experience Officer at Cybersecurity Collaborative. And Cybersecurity Collaborative is a member-based organization for CISOs, to bring CISOs together, solve some major problems of the world. Kathy, welcome today and thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Definitely, and it's it's a pleasure. So, Kathy, give us your background. How did you get to working where you're at? Are you a tech techie background, marketing person, kind of? What's what's the needs for the industry where you fit in? So, I've been in cyber for over 20 years. Uh, actually, really creeping up on 30, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And the, in the world of cyber, because relatively it's new for most people, um, you end end up in a position where you have to be an expert. So if you're going to sit down and speak credibly with someone or explain the problems, you better very well know what you're talking about and be able to explain it well and be able to solve for it. So I'm a blend of um, public facing advocacy for the problems we face, technical um, solution problem solver, and also um, as a growth officer position I held at the organization before, also going out and recruiting people into into the collaboration. Interesting. So collaboration, tell us a little bit about what this cybersecurity collaboration is, what it, where, you know, where it started, how long it's been around, where mm -hmm. you service. Okay. So our organization was founded in late 2018. So it's relatively new, but the concept of getting CISOs together to talk about the problems that they're facing has been uh, something that's been around for a number of years. Mm -hmm. It was founded uh, by a gentleman named Bob Deathlips. So um, Bob is really the pioneer in re recognizing that C-level people need to come together and talk about problems and, and how to solve them. But in particular, it's interesting for chief information security officers or, or information security officers because things that they tend to talk about are incredibly uh, secretive, right? This could really touch upon a company's intellectual property, uh, get, things that would get out in public might damage reputation. And so uh, CISOs have been hesitant for a number of years uh, just not to talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. But so Bob created uh, an environment that was completely vendor neutral, completely free of any outside uh, influences that might um, be just there to try to get information out of the CISOs and no press, no nothing, just CISOs, complete Chatham House rules. So whatever they talk about stays in the collaborative. And, but the the goal being that there the CISO 
is it can't know everything that's going on with 125 million different attacks happening on a daily basis it's simply impossible for one person to know everything there is so you got to be able to lean somewhere and you really aren't going to be able to lean somewhere else within your own company because you're you're really the top of the top with cyber and most other people don't know anything about cyber really um, it hasn't broadened out beyond that so they really need to lean on each other, get guidance, support, advice, and um, solve problems together. And so that's um, that's the collaboration efforts that we have, and um, we're we're doing quite well. Interesting. How many members do you have? Is that something you can say? Or yeah, so uh, we have different types of memberships. So we have SMBs, so the smaller businesses, and we have the Fortune size companies. And so of that, we have hundreds of people that collaborate. In the CISO title area, it's more like a hundred, but um, but you're allowed to bring in your staff members and participate in the program. So uh, we haven't ventured out very heavily into the Fed space, or but and we're just now starting to get into local cities and counties through our partnership with NACO. And um, so we're really still kind of in an infancy stage, okay. but we've got a heck of a lot of CISOs that uh, get together on phone calls and talk about talk about things and can share. All right. We'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. And I want to hear some more about, uh, you know, how you keep that secrecy. Be right back. Mm-hmm. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Kathy Miley, the Chief Member Experience Officer for Cybersecurity Collaborative. Uh, and Kathy, we were talking before the break about that you have a neutral place that's safe. That's right. safe. How do you set up um, your organization, your meetings, you know, how do your groups get together to keep that kind of only CISO's eyes and, and, and that safe environment? Okay. So, well, we are entirely virtual when that's the way the company started. So even before the pandemic, we had been set up in a, in a way that allowed for CISOs to get in touch with each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we're big, um, big users of uh, collaboration tools like Zoom and, and whatnot, but uh, the, we have some strict rules in membership. Number one, uh, you cannot be a vendor and be part of our organization because we do not want to have any undue influences um, being placed on solutions that we're developing. Um, If we had VPN constraints, for example, based on sending millions of users home uh, to work, we don't wanna have a VPN provider um, writing a solution for our CSOs. We wanna have absolute neutral territory so that's a solution um, so people can go select their providers but the solution is um, is is completely free of bias and influence we also have uh, no salespeople we have uh, no sponsors 
we are completely funded by our members. And so all of the employees that work within the collaborative are former CISOs and cyber experts. So if you're talking to me, if you're talking to a member services representative, if you're speaking to someone on a task force, we have all been there, done that, lived that, and are cyber experts. So, and we, we understand inherently that you do not tell anybody what goes on in, in a CISO conversation. That is just, um, and if you did, and you, you would be kicked out immediately. Mm-hmm. So. so tell us about your vetting process. How do you so, Yeah, how do we vet our yeah, members? Yeah. So, so we have a very heavy network effects-based membership growth um, approach, which means one CISO tells his friend and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on. Uh, but it, it benefits those CISOs to go out and bring in other CISOs into the group so that they can have that place to collaborate and learn from each other, introduce their network of, of CISOs to other net, uh, people's networks of CISOs. Yeah. And that's really the approach that we go about. Uh, so you won't see advertising. We don't do any advertising. Um, we may in the future be more recognized um, as a, less of a secret, so mm-hmm. to speak, because in um, August of last year, Bob Deathless, who I mentioned is um, really the founder in the industry, um, acquired our organization under the company called uh, Cyber Risk Alliance. So we're now part of a portfolio that includes InfoSec World Conferences and Expo and SC Media and other uh, organizations that are put in place specifically to help the cyber leaders in the world. All right. So you do conferences or you're going to now before it was just kind of the meetings but now you're going to start conferences. Do you have any idea where, well, we be, where you're holding them? Yeah, our sister organization, InfoSec World, will do the in-person conferences once the world permits that again. Mm-hmm. Right now they're doing virtual conferences. We don't do that. We will participate in those conferences, and our CISOs will go and do keynote speeches or be on panels. But the, um, the Cyber Risk Alliance uh, organizations will host that. And that is how we will be more broadly known in the industry is that our name will get out through those, through those venues. Interesting. Um, so when we were talking before the show about certain types of things that, uh, Mm -hmm. you solve some big problems or you look at some big problems and, uh, I wanted you to give us some examples of what those, things that go on behind, you know, without giving out the details of what the CISO said or this company's having, what types of things do you hear? Do you sit on in the meetings, I guess, first of all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, give us some, I'm an, on if I'm, I'm a CISO, what's the value of me going there? What types of things are we going to work with and talk through and solve? Okay, so our world had never seen a scenario that occurred when this pandemic broke out and uh, people became quarantined and had to, had to work from home. Mm-hmm. Our companies were not prepared for it. Our CISOs weren't prepared for it. Our employees weren't prepared for it. But guess who was? The cyber criminals were prepared for it. They were opportunistic and certainly ready to attack and exploit the scenario that no one had previously thought to protect because we didn't think it would really happen, right? Nobody thinks it's gonna happen to them. So the CISOs came together certainly immediately in January, even when the pandemic was in its um, very, very small numbers, even not even in the United States yet. And we're like, 
what is going, what should we do if this is to go down this way and we start having to send our people home? What are the risks that we're going to face? What are the new policies, procedures, and controls that we need to put in place to protect ourselves from those opportunistic criminals who are going to come after us and try to uh, find new avenues into our business? So as a benefit, getting all of these CISOs together and talk about the various different uh, threat vectors and dialogue how we can put solutions in place to share amongst our membership um, it was a massive value for everyone because we were able to prepare documentation and policies and procedures and things like that to share amongst our members. Interesting. Was there a, hey, here's a technology that's working or we should start doing this, we might not have been type of mm -hmm. discussions as well? So uh, we, being vendor neutral, we don't, we don't recommend any solutions. But one thing that did come out was when Zoom started having some publicity issues around their security um, controls. And so the members, lots of us use Zoom. It's very, very heavily used in all corporations and individuals. So the CISOs needed to come together and figure out um, how do they explain to their employees to use Zoom in a um, secured way? Because you know you could configure it securely, it just wasn't set up that way out of the box. And what kind of policies needed to be put in place to protect the company uh, when using a corporate account on Zoom? So we did write up a paper um, specifically about how to implement controls to protect your company while using Zoom specifically, but we also um, obviously made the recommendations um, not so specific to their technology, but regarding the use of um, video-based tele teleconferencing mm -hmm. and how to secure it. So, What other kind of unique things came up as a matter of everybody going home that you might have had to talk through? Okay. So um, the big one was oh my goodness, we're going to send millions of people home to work. How is the internet going to support that type of um, construct, especially when home internet is not uh, set up to have these massive, you know, bandwidth um, heavy teleconferencing um, issues. But it's also people don't secure their home networks the way that a company would want to secure their particular environment. So now I'm at home and maybe potentially working on my home computer because I had a desktop at the office I didn't take to my house with me. And um, so what are, the, what are the security risks now inherent in this, the home networks, the, not just the network security, but also the bandwidth capable of supporting business? And um, what were the companies gonna do to solve for business continuity in that situation? And in one particular case, we had a client who um, their employees were almost at a standstill because they couldn't, um, they were forced to move all of their traffic through their VPN uh, and these, um, and that just crushed their VPN. So one of the um, C-level people said, well, can't you just, you know, split that and have part of the business running through the VPN and let the users part of it out on the open internet and that, was just not a good solution because they were handling EPHI data and sending EPHI on, you know, over home internet connection isn't safe. So we got together and architected a solution 
um, that helped them justify um, expansion of their VPN um, infrastructure and bandwidth to um, the business as uh, because they needed to secure it and they couldn't just split off the VPN tunnels and let their users go on the open, the right. wild, wild west. Now, hold on, we're gonna hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute to talk to you some more. back to New Cyber Frontier on today talking with Kathy Miley, the Chief Member Experience Officer for Cybersecurity Collective. So before the break, we were talking about things that CISOs got together and did for the, the pandemic, for everybody moving to home. Now right. let's look, uh, what, we're four months later. How are we doing? What's the litmus test? Have we successfully done this or is there still major milestones to crush? Well, the, it, so as with any new um, experience that goes on in the world, these cyber criminals will adapt to it and find ways to exploit it. And they did a very good job very quickly of figuring out how to send uh, phishing emails to home users and trick them into clicking links. And so we saw a massive rise in phishing from the time that we went from office environment to home environment. And this was not just a... Um, a matter of the cyber criminals really focusing in on, on that opportunity, but people behave differently when they're at home. So they, they're a little more relaxed. They don't step, take a step back all the time to, to rethink about whether or not they should click on that link. But a lot of people did, and it created a lot of situations where malware ex, um, executed and ransomware um, really shot up, especially in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. So we got together and talk, we get together and talk a lot about how to solve for that. And um, it, and that's a lot of the benefit of having these CISOs across various different industries getting together because they have various different perspectives on what the attack vectors are. Yeah, interesting. So I'm curious about that demographic breakdown. Healthcare, is that a big, in, where, do you, where do you sit most with your members? Are you government, private sector, you know, heavy compliance like healthcare, uh, financial, where do you sit mostly? So think about the 16 critical infrastructures. That's really where we're at. We don't have federal members, but we do have government members, like I mentioned with uh, counties and cities. So um, they have many businesses that they have to protect as well. And those are citizen data and citizen services. And they become really important to um, really the country being able to sustain its way of life. So they have a lot to protect too. Um, but, the, but it's really across healthcare, it's across finance, it's across um, retail, think um, fast food. You know, uh, we have members who are in um, a, a lot of different fast food um, areas. We have uh, Wendy's and McDonald's and um, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Taco Bell and, and things like that. So the, 
it's a lot to um, to handle, especially in those um, organizations who are facing who do a lot of B two C and have a lot of digital fraud that takes place um, as a result. Interesting. So um, you know, in in restaurants, food, logistics, we heard a lot of issues where things mm-hmm. were shutting down, not working right. Yeah. Um, what types of things that did did you see that might have helped uh, move that along or even address issues in there that we might not have heard about in the public? So interestingly, and I, I didn't think of this, though, um, but the members do, and it's really um, how do they transact payment from customers? Where before they would take a credit card from your hand and they would swipe it and hand it back to you. Um, now they've come up with using technology in a really clever way, pay on your app instead of handing somebody a credit card. So it not only solves um, for the social distancing, be careful what you touch, but it also solves for creating a larger opportunity for the restaurants to create revenue where um, it was, you know, everybody was sitting at home. And because we're sitting at home and not going out to restaurants, um, revenues were hurt. But by creating, uh, solving for one problem, it created an opportunity on the other hand which was allowing for people to place their orders at home and pay for it at home and just pick up a bag from a window and make it really, really simple. Interesting. So, and uh, the, with that shift, I know when, when I talk to people from overseas, especially um, some of the second world countries, I guess you would call them, um, their biggest concern in security is the theft, the petty theft of individuals Mm and, and, how many thousands of credit cards can somebody get $20 from versus trying to steal right. something from a big company and, right. and monetize it. So did you see a change in that direction as well, where more of that moving towards individual sales made the 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 focus of, of attackers go that way? Well, absolutely. So the attackers are going to go where the opportunity is, right? So um, in, individuals are the weakest link in security. I mean, it's unfortunate to say, but of course we would have no security concerns if there were no people, so or we would have no businesses or anything. So it's just a necessary evil. But have but people will always introduce risk um, and threat vectors that criminals are going to take advantage of. Even if you think of yourself at home, if you are a person at home who doesn't like to lock your front door, you're offering a, a thief an opportunity to just walk in without um, any anything controlling the entry. It's the same way in companies, right? Um, if you don't put the controls in place and the lockdown in place and you aren't really diligent about cyber, you're just introducing risk into allowing these criminals in and coming in through the users. Interesting. So that it gives us good perspective on, you know, what kind of things you address. Um, and now, um, as what's the future plan look like for this organization? Do you think it goes worldwide, millions of people? What, what's your plan and who would, how would you engage people that might be listening to this? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny that you say that. My, um, our, our CEO said the same thing to me the other day, uh, that we are getting ready to have a massive amount of CISOs sign up all at once. How do we then facilitate for that? Uh, there are not millions of CISOs. There are thousands, tens of thousands of CISOs. Uh, certainly not all of them will sign up, but we do expect to have several hundred 
if not over a thousand CISOs that will want to partake in this and participate and not just for um, being able to better protect their company, but also being able to um, enhance their own personal brands and their own personal knowledge. Uh, we, we see that as a place that we are going to be going to, but we will not change the fundamentals of who we are, which is we are a neutral place. We are a safe haven for CISOs to collaborate. We will never take sponsors um, to, to take advantage of getting into the membership base. That will always be the foundation of who we are. And um, so whether we have 10 members or a thousand members, they will all still be able to take advantage of getting to know each other, learning from each other and feeling safe in the and along the way. Yeah. So how much does a, a membership cost for somebody that wants to join? It's, it, it, it depends. We have a couple of different options for members because obviously small businesses or sole practitioners who wear multiple hats at organizations are, um, you know, their financials are a little different. And so they have to choose what, what they can. So, and we also have uh, different challenges in the small business world, uh, maybe in some of the counties and governments, there's different um, things that they have to go through. And in large, large corporations, they have different challenges. So we have different membership levels that uh, people can join in to be in those particular um, groups or, um, but it's really up to the member on where they decide to join into. Um, membership it goes up. It can be $25,000 a year or $2,000 a year. Gotcha. So it just depends on where you come in. And do you always plan to be online or do you look at maybe in-person things once things open up a little bit? So as part of the Cyber Risk Alliance uh, family, our sister organizations um, such as InfoSec World uh, Expo and Conferences, they will always be doing the, um, the conferences and we will participate and help support those conferences by providing expert panels, expert keynotes, but we will not be in the business of um, online conferences or in-person conferences. We are simply a collaboration group of CISOs. Okay. So, yeah, we have probably half of our audience, our C-level, executive level. Um, right. it, what's the value proposition? You know, give, put, a, put a reach out to them. Say, hey, come join here. Here's how you get a hold of us. Here's how you'd engage. We're looking for these type of people. Value proposition is very simple. Um, if the maximum membership price of $25,000, when a CISO comes into the organization, they get to take advantage of our content library. So these are all the solutions, all of the best practices, all of the assessments and simulations that we've created by, uh, by request of the members. And as the members create them with us, um, we have an uh, online member portal that the CISOs can go in and go straight to. Um, and access all of those hundreds of documents that we've already prepared. Think of it as like a consulting firm on demand. We also have task forces that if there's a major problem like digital fraud or account takeover, um, like we were talking about before, a member can call for a task force to be assembled. The members come together. We work on this problem, create a solution for it, and put that content out in the member library for everybody to access. But that you have unlimited uh, access to that. So you can call one task force as part of a member, or you can call 20. It depends. And then we also have a SWAT team. So if you have an immediate problem, there's something urgent going on, or it has a short time frame associated to it, 
we will assemble four CISOs to get on a call with you within 24 hours, and we will be dedicated to you to um, solve your problem along the way. And it never gets reported out to anybody, by the way. Um, and uh, that's a huge value to any company is having a, this massive extension of your staff of all of the smartest CISOs in the world. Um, I don't think that, that, that you can put a value on that to an organization, but the return on investment is tremendous. Awesome. And how would somebody, uh, you have a website they could get on, register, or find more information? Absolutely. It is cyberleadersunite.com. And you can learn more about us there, or you can request to have access, and one of us will get back in touch with you and walk through the membership uh, benefits and what's right for you. All right. And it's cyberleadersunite.com. That's right. All right. Well, thanks again for being on today, Kathy. It's definitely been a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to New Cyber Frontier. Remember to follow or like our post and circulate each new show to your networks. We keep you informed, bring you the latest news, explore new trends, and find the hottest topics. With New Cyber Frontier, you don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert just get plugged in. We encourage you to get involved. Tell us what topics interest you and join our mailing lists. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. That's newcyberfrontier.com. Check out our previous interviews and please let us know if there are any topics that you would like to hear discussed. See you next time on New Cyber Frontier.